Welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and as always, to my right is the man that has been saying, I will, since the day we got married. But now it's, I will put the laundry away. I will put those dishes in the dishwasher. I will, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, here's the thing, the difference between I will and I do. Are you really making faces to me right now? <laughs> what a jerk you are. Um, the, there's a difference. When you say I will, doesn't I meant like now, not in three weeks, because I actually had to unpack a suitcase that was sitting on the bedroom floor since March 9th. Today's May 3rd. You know, my good friend Ross Thompson and I were talking about a year and a half ago, and we started to talk about, you know, our wives and these things. And we said, you know, Ross, our wives, it's almost like they deserve like these little trophies. We do. Uh, for each time they actually do something, they want a trophy. And Ross literally, I, I love it. He literally went out, and I guess he went on eBay or something, and he bought like a hundred little tiny trophies. Wait, 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 like little wait, wait. plastic trophies. <laughs> Put okay. his money where, where his mouth was. Funny. It was funny. That's very funny. But here's the thing. I have never once asked for a trophy. I don't need a trophy. You got a trophy need... husband. What else do you need? I don't need recognition. I simply want help. That's all. I'm all just right. asking for help. And I'm here to help. No. Well, here's the funny part. Here's the funny this. part. Yesterday, uh, I'm on the porch and I'm in the final stages just doing a read through of the book. And I'm reading the chapter on, on marriage and what it means to have communication and love and how, how you changed my life. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, got, I literally got teared up. I got teared up. And, and I start to say, you know, I got to tell Angelique how much she really means to me again and just remind her. And as I thought that, you were walking up the porch and I was just about to give you a hug and say thank you. And man, you had a look on your face like I was like, uh-oh, this is not good. <laughs> and before I could get a word out, you just started to say, the house is a mess. The kids are doing this and this and doing that. And I said, I just said, whatever I was doing at that point was not important. I said, let's get it started. I mean, there's sometimes, guys, when you just got to know when your wife gets that look in her eye and she's fed up, whatever you're doing at that time, I don't care if the Super Bowl's on or whatever, you got to stop and you say, all right, what, what would you like to do, honey? <laughs> let's get that started right now. So tell me, I'm just curious, though, because yesterday was for the record looks for me, and I'm going to get upset, but um, why, why yesterday? What's the difference yesterday of you dropping everything and getting into massive action with almost me not having to say a word after that than when I have to ask at nauseam for the same thing? Like, that's why I was at that point, because I had asked so many times mm -hmm. over the last month, and I just got to my literal end of my rope. Well, you know, I, I love pop culture, and I teach with pop culture, and I, I kind of relate things to that. So I was a huge fan of Martin back in the day. When Martin Lawrence show was on, I was a huge fan. And Martin was a man's man, right? Martin knew what's up. But, man, when Gina got serious, Martin knew Gina was serious. And that was – yesterday I was like, damn, Gina, you are serious. You just had the look on your face. We see it. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about today, guys. This, this is going to be kind of a lighthearted yet serious look at what's been going on since we've been on this quarantine. What have we learned from it? Uh, what do couples need to do in order to get ahead and communicate better? What has this taught us? And uh, yesterday, yeah, it was the look. And today, as we're getting ready for this, um, I take out my iPhone and I start writing down notes. And Angelique looks at me. She goes, "Are you? Do you have notes? Is a whole? Are, are you prepping? Section. Like you have notes on the thing? I got, babe. Sometimes I, I take notes because guys, we know sometimes it's 
It's not what you say. Sometimes it's when you say it. So sometimes we have a valid argument or we have a valid defense, should I say. But it's the timing. If you, even if you state your case, it could be the right case at the wrong time. Timing is everything. So sometimes I just take a note and I just said, <laughs> so we're going to do it right now. I'm going to leave that for later. On the Turn On podcast. Here's the thing. The fact that you pulled out a note section on your phone with a running list of prob- probable complaints. It's right there. Probable complaints for me. Here's the thing. The difference is, is you actually write them down. That's fine. The, the running list that's in my head could wallpaper our home. Well, could wallpaper well, our But home. that's what we're talking about. God gave women something. They gave you that automatic uh you know that list that just stays in your head no matter what like i could say <laughs> what did we argue about on november 3rd uh 2013 and you have this you know catalog in your head that you go right to us guys we need to write stuff down i don't know why god did it he did it but we know that you have that we don't have that sense what did you notice yesterday when you walked into the house after my the, the Gina look on my face. That there was letters and bills and everything was on the floor like a tornado came through the house. <laughs> and why, for those that didn't see my Instagram story, why, why did I do that? Because you wanted to do a, uh, you kind of wanted to show me what life looked like in your head. You wanted, you wanted a visual representation of what was happening in your head and for me to see that. <laughs> okay, so for the listeners, this was my, this was my breaking point. Okay. And I, I know moms, I know many can relate to me because I got, I think my inbox had more DMs yesterday than it's ever had around these stories because I will put things nice and neat in a pile. I've, I'll fold everything. I'll put it in the laundry basket. I said, Dave, just, just put it away. Kids, here's the toys. Here's your laundry. Here's a, just put it on the stairs. If you could just take it up to your room. And I kid you not, a month will go by to the point where I have laundry piling up just to prove a point that you have yet to put the clean laundry away and it's taking up the space in the laundry basket. So yesterday I was like, that's it. Since they can't see what I've done already and they're not doing what I've asked them to do, which is so simple. It's like the final step of so many steps that went into it. I took all of the unopened mail and bills. I took your hats. I took toys, clothes, anything I could get my hands on that was not in the place it needed to be and threw it in the foyer and in the hallway. And David walked in and goes, what happened here? And I was like, that's how it looks to me on a daily basis when I have it nice and neat somewhere and I'm okay. just asking you to put it away. And you became the Pied Piper of women and you had your no inbox flooded with other women rising no. up because us men are so terrible and we just don't understand no this is not a feminist movement this Uh, is simply the fact that on top of the fact that it rests on the shoulders of usually uh, one person i'm pregnant i had thrown my si joint out so my had a bulging lumbar disc and i could not physically move yet somehow i was still shuffling around the house trying to get this done because no one will do it for me or with me so i'm just done i was completely done i was at the end of my rope yesterday and I can still feel those raw emotions right now. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. I asked for just simple help of putting little things away, right? Just, just help me put the laundry away. Just, just let's empty the dishwasher. Just get to the house to a straightened up point. And as I was finished wrapping up the mail, I come out into the living room 
in all of the winter coats. Guest closets turned on merchandise. Um, what else was out? Like old picture, like he purged not one room, because that's what you're normally supposed to do. You start in a room and you finish the room and then you move on. Four different rooms were completely unpacked all in the living room and the couch cushions were all off the couch and the couches were on their sides so he could vacuum i'm like why why do you do this to yourself just go one one room at a time i need a yoga class right about now one room at a time it would make i need a therapist a therapist for this one what are you done you want me to take a break and come back when you're finished this is very cathartic for me. Okay. You know what? There's a couple. Of, I'm just going to mention one thing. I, like, I try to clean out the closet, and there are dresses in there. I'm like, what about this dress that has been sitting in this closet whoa, for the whoa, last whoa. seven years? Whoa. Can we can we give it away? Whoa. Can we consign it? Well, I might wear that dress sometime I am in the future. I'm seven and a half months pregnant right now. Babe, you you do not ask a pregnant woman that feels like a whale if she can throw out a brand new dress that costs a lot of money that I've worn once. It's a special occasion dress. I don't walk around in special occasion dress. I walk around in like Why didn't you say it was a special occasion dress? Now I get it. It's a special occasion dress. Meanwhile, like every decade. Meanwhile, you're sitting in a dolphin's jersey right now that you refuse to throw away, yet it's covered in slime that the kids buried inside of a basket. I, it was, I've With never everyone. worn it. It's got a little slime. It's got a little, like the kids put slime in it and it's got a little bit of slime grease, David. even though I've washed it. But this is a brand new jersey. Listeners, this is one of every jersey that he owns from every single team in the league, both leagues. Why? Because he's a fan of the game when the game is on. Not one team, not one player. The oh, whole you just. You just backed yourself into a corner, young lady, because when I met you, you said specifically that I don't like sports anymore because you go too hard at one team and and everything relies, your happiness relies on it. So I said, okay, let me diversify and I will stop being a fanatic of one team and I'll just be a casual observer of the league. You walked yourself into that one. Judge, hold on. Parliament, parliamentary point of procedure, judge. I believe I have the floor. Excuse you me. walked yourself into that one. Excuse me. Here's the here's the best part of what you just said that proves my point that you have selective hearing. I have never said that. What I said was you don't just like one team and you just get upset about one team. You get emotionally involved in every single game that airs from Thursday to Monday. Why? Don't know. Don't know. He doesn't have any allegiance to any one team. It's every freaking team in the NFL that he gets emotionally involved in. So now I have PTSD around football season because I lose my husband from Thursday to Monday to his emotions. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, he's an absolute disgrace to to live with because he is still moping and depressed from what's gone on from Thursday to Monday the previous week. Wow. Oof. Generalization, generalizations there. Okay, no, sir. Well, if we're g- let's get into the topic. Are you done? Uh, the topic oh. is what we've learned on on lockdown. Uh, apparently, we opened a watershed here. Marriage. We opened the floodgates. Exasperated. We opened the floodgates. 
you know what's funny is my parents have been married for 61 years and uh and my brothers and sisters i've been talking over this time and i'm like <laughs> 61 years uh this uh quarantine might be the thing to put them over the top i mean <laughs> when we are locked in with our spouse man um we have no outside uh interference to say to run interference and, and to get rid of things but uh luckily we've let me let me go back to i diverse let me go back to my list here you um, or you digress digress whatever uh let me digress then <laughs> so this is great this is great you're gonna okay. pull up a chair guys listen to this story this is this is my favorite one uh a couple nights ago angelique and i are watching a movie and uh our eight-year-old comes prancing across the floor uh doing this little dance and uh, Angelique and I look at each other like, oh, this is going to be trouble in a couple of years. And uh, she looks at me, you look at me, Angelique. And you're like, that's all you. It is. That, like, wait, let me finish. You're like, that's all you. That's your problem. <laughs> so now, because we have a, an eight-year-old who, who likes to dance and, and that's my problem. And I said, so Ange, well, let me go to the notes here. I go, specifically, I said, um, what are you going to do? And you said, um, I'll talk to her when she gets her period. <laughs> Those are the specific things. Like in the next 10 years, raising our daughter, everything else is me. And you get the 30 minute conversation about a menstrual what? cycle. Thanks. Okay. What? Something that she could pull up a video and watch. That's what you got to look forward to. All the rest of the, of the, of the no, no, issues no, no, that no. are, are going to come up no, fall no, upon no. dad. But you get the 30-minute conversation because what? You birthed her? That's You're absolutely 1,000% correct oh, because funny. I birthed her and wiped her butt for the last eight years, okay? Now, listen to me. Listen to me right now. When I say the, the period talk or anything else, the reason why I'm saying that rests on you, young man, is because the exact thing that you know is going to make her trouble is the exact thing that you chased after for 36 years in women. So that is on you. That is your punishment. I believe that is your penance to pay. And that is why I looked at you now. And that's why you said that we're having a third girl now, because you said that. That's right. You said you're, you're having a third girl for God's paying you back for all that the things right. that you did in your youth. That is right. <laughs> That is right. This is exactly what happens uh, to men just like you. Well, they get it's funny with women. It's funny because if we merge these two topics, as Ella was cleaning up, uh, Ella's like, you know, Ella's cleaning up the house and doing all the things that mom gets crazy about. And and I hear Angelique go to Ella. She goes, Hey, Ella, you're doing a great job cleaning up, but, and immediately I felt like saying, Time out, Ella, I got to tell you something. Uh, let me just let you know over the next 10 years while you're in this house, that you've done a great job cleaning up, but there's always going to be a but. It's never going to be as clean as mom would like it. Like, you know, we could have Cinderella come over here and, and wipe this house clean and spick and span, and mom's always going to say, hey, it's clean, but one thing didn't get wrong. That's right. Five-minute management. You so uh, you raise up and edify, and then you correct. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I got too many notes here to go over, but guys. We're aware. I have a wallpaper full, apparently. What's funny is that, then our youngest one, our four-year-old's cleaning the stairs. And uh, I really think that we need to teach our kids the value of sarcasm at an early age because she's cleaning the stairs and she cleans up this little pile and she lets out this little four-year-old sigh. Oh. And so me, in a fit of sarcasm, goes, oh, Phoenix, you clean this, this whole step right here? She's like, yeah, Dad. I go, oh, you must be exhausted. She goes, no, I'm not exhausted. And I'm like, obviously, you don't understand sarcasm, Phoenix. 
I'm saying you're exhausted because you hardly did anything and you're letting out a sigh, which I kind of feel like she got from you, babe. Potentially, but do you realize how much you sigh? You sigh a lot. You just sigh over different things. So, listeners. As long as Mr. Nori has peace in his own head, that's fine. But the rest of the environment that we suffer in does not matter to you. So that's the thing. That's how men are so myopic. They're just myopic. It's whatever's going on in their little world inside of their head right now is, is where they find their peace. But when your environment is in complete and utter chaos and your kids aren't listening and the dog's toys are everywhere and you're yeah. pregnant and can barely move, yeah. as long as David's okay yeah. on the porch with a bourbon. It's, it's amazing. Listening to... Listening to uh, Dave Brubeck. Dave Brubeck. Miles Davis. Yeah, because anyway. we, we have to. It's amazing that whatever goes on in our little head is what gets us through, yet our life expectancy is a lot shorter. That doesn't make sense. If your case, if your case that you're presenting to the jury right now were correct, and women would have a lot shorter life expectancy than men. The fact of the matter is we are stressed with no, more. My dad was 83, my mom was 66. That was the exception to the rule. Okay. That was the exception to the rule. Okay. Guys, are you going crazy at home? Are you going crazy at home? I mean, I love my wife more than anything in the world, <laughs> but, but we've been on lockdown for a long time now. And uh, my trips to the grocery store <laughs> are my only way to get out. What are some other things? Okay, listeners, what are some of the things that we are missing on lockdown? I know I miss barber shops and haircuts. I know I'm on, I miss that a lot. Um, I, I just, I miss being able to just say, you know, I need to go get this and I can just get up and go. Um, you know, and some women, maybe it's a trip to Target or the store or whatever, or just to get out, get out, have a cup of coffee. Um, I think that's what I miss the most is just being able to make a small decision like that and, and having a simple little enjoyable time whatever that might look like but the thing is is and especially for me i mean I'm, a lot of people are ready to get back um to living what we call our normal everyday lives me personally i'm definitely ready but i'm also semi-trepidous because you know when you're pregnant you're immunocompromised so it's not fun being pregnant in a pandemic not that this is a regularly occurring thing but it's definitely weighed on my mind a little bit more than I think the average person. Well, I mean, look, this is something we're joking a lot now, but there's, there's a little bit, we have to joke. We have to find the humor in this because it's a serious situation. We've never been through anything like this in our lives in, the, in this generation or the generation before, like I said, there's been wars, there's been uh, economic recessions, even some people alive now that live through maybe a depression, but there's never been anything like this lockdown. It's crazy. And one of the things I realized, because a lot more people now are talking about, you know, they're inside, so we're not going out as much. So one of the repercussions of that is we're watching more TV um, and Netflix and all these things. And last night I had this boiling point, you know, I'm watching Netflix and I'm watching this show. Um, what was it called? The, uh, the oh, Lone Survivor or something. No, no, or no, the, um, Designated Survivor. Designated Survivor. And, and even as I'm watching, I'm like, this show's depressing. Like what's what's going on is, we're going, I went to bed and I made this note. I said, we are going to look back someday and say that, wow, we consumed, we watched a lot of things on TV that made us scared, that made us sad, that made us mad. We consume these things on TV, both in the real news, in the real world 
you know, reality shows and in fictional series. We watched violence. We watched things that were depressing. And we're going to realize someday we're going to wake up and go, we wasted a lot of time doing that crap. Like how many times have you guys watched something and just went to bed either angry or upset? Because even though it was last night's show was just this, this show, but it was about the blowing up of the Capitol building when, when the whole uh, Congress was in it. And it shows, they did a great job with special effects. It shows the Capitol building in ruins. And, so what's happening is we know it's not a real it's a, it's a it's a not a real show but what we're seeing is these visual images of stuff that's just not good. Like God did not put that stuff to make us happy. We the human beings are making ourselves stressed out. We are making ourselves unhappy. We're making ourselves sad and depressed because we are for some reason are just we can't get enough crap on television. And in my book I address this. I go I don't know if we crave this violence, if we crave this destruction and the news and Hollywood is more than happy to give it to us, or is it vice versa? The news and Hollywood has said, hey, here's all the crap and, and we've just become addicted to it. Yeah. Well, but you see how, because it affects me and I know it can't, I can't be the only one. And I know we're going to look back and we are going to say, wow, that was a waste of time. We're going to be on our deathbed one day and say, how much crap did I see on the news? How much reality TV? How many shows about death and destruction and murder did I watch that made me think that the world was a worse place than it was? That people hated one another? That, that every time you walked out of your door, someone wanted to kill you or someone wanted to beat you up or steal from you because that's what we were taking in on the news. There's going to be a huge, huge regret. We've got to do something about that. Well, this went in entirely new direction than we originally started out. Um, we'll get it back to funny in a we second. We will get it back to funny. Well, you know, you totally went into a new direction here. So now I've got to switch gears. Here's the thing. And when we talk about being turned on, we want our heads out of devices. That's just one of the things. And, and I think that this quarantine has done a couple of things. It's actually made people crave more human connection, but it's also in our downtime, if there is any, put us you know, more susceptible to having our face in a device. I mean, by nature, the only way we're really connecting with people right now outside of our homes is through FaceTime, Facebook, Zoom, uh, you know, things like this. So it's like we are now being more and more conditioned to meet that way. And um, in the process of that happening, we are going to be more susceptible and also be a captive audience for things that are driven heavily by fear and propaganda. So. The question I have around that is, you know, what is the fine line? Because here's the thing. I am not, I'm not the type of person that will shut it off completely with an apathetic approach um, simply because I want to be semi-aware of what's going on and be awake, but be awake to what's truly happening, not what the news is saying is happening, not what somebody on Facebook is saying is happening, but what actually is happening. And I, that requires a lot of critical thinking. It requires a heck of a lot more than just reading what we see online. Um, and the thing is, is like you said, like which came first, the chicken or the egg? I, it, fear is just a motivator and it's, we're looking, we're all, you know, bored out of our skulls when it comes to quarantine. But if you look at the way we're living our lives normally before, 
we couldn't be in our own thoughts for five minutes without being bored. We don't know what to do with ourselves. We look to social media, we look to news, we look to TV for a thrill. And that thrill is coming in way more than a positive form. It's coming in the form of these fear-mongering type messages. This is so different than how we started well, the show. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie it together right now okay, because good. we started uh, kind of lighthearted and we started talking about stuff that was funny and, and then we got into serious. So here's a guy who's funny talking about something that's serious that we're talking about. So you guys remember Rob Schneider, the copy guy from mm -hmm. Saturday Night Live, Deuce Bigelow, hysterical. We saw him a couple years in stand-up here. One of the funniest guys in stand-up I've ever seen. So he's a guy for his life, his career is making people laugh, but he also says something that's very poignant here. He made a comment not too long ago, uh, in 2017 this was. So think about how far we've come since then. He said, if you turn off the news, and just talk to your neighbors, you'll find out that our great country is far more harmonious than you're being told. I'm gonna to repeat it. Rob Schneider, if you turn off the news and just talk to your neighbors, you'll find out that our great country is far more harmonious than we're being told. It's true. Okay, let's get back to being <laughs> let's get back to being funny because I there's been enough pain, death, and destruction on the news over the last couple months. Um, we don't need it anymore. We need to start talking about what can we do in our homes? What are we seeing? What's the positive? Who's reporting on that? What if there was a news station right now that just said, hey, here's the positive things that are happening today. I walk outside and I see neighbors eager to talk to one another, even at six feet apart. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? I see people uh, all over the place with, uh, an art, with porches and, and things like, hey, come take some, you know, candy or come take it's, it's hard even talking about this because well is candy safe to take did somebody else touch it um yeah. again we're trying to say there's humanity but now there's fear we're mixing those two but last night we went out uh to the lake and it was beautiful the sun was setting and there was about i would say 25 to 30 people and they're not all together i'm talking like 10 or 15 different families uh congregations people fishing people picnicking and it was a the temperature was beautiful, the sun was setting, and you just thought to yourself, we could be inside right now watching television, watching the news, or we could be out here in nature looking at stuff. This is reality. This is what's going on in our neighborhood, not what's going on in the news. So which do you choose to look at? Do you choose to make your own reality and go outside, or do you choose to stay inside and say, I need to get depressed, I need to get angry? I need to get worried about something, so let me flip on TV. Well, there's never been a better time in the world, I think, than now for being turned on. You know, it's it's a matter of flipping that switch. And and we did. We we went out and flipped the switch, and we were able to experience God in nature, experience God in people, experience God in um, just as a family, and just not succumb ourselves to our virtual realities that we were sucked into and in, you know on the four walls of our home um and i think that's i mean taking it back to how we started this show um i've always been like i really need order you know order and i talk about that i talk about divine order all the time and i talk about the importance of environment if you look at how god created things he didn't start with humanity he started with order in the environment and when it comes to our home, I want order. And it's just, we've been living, I feel like there's been a lot of disorder um, 
just with so many different things going on, not only just the pandemic, but David and I switching gears with our, our career, walking away from um, our, our main income stream through from a company, um, you know, and now we're pregnant and expecting and I sold everything that belonged to, you know, my kids that I need for a baby last spring, not anticipating having another life coming into this world. So I'm like, I feel like everything's on this really sensitive timeline. And in our home is where I like to start creating that order, because I think that we can experience God in our homes when we are focused on each other. For me personally, just taking this back to how this started, for me personally, it's so much easier for me to focus on my family and focus on human interaction when I have order around me. And you might think that's crazy, but I, it's very difficult. Like that's like, we were watching a show the other day on Waco, right? And, and psychological warfare. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, they basically pulled up, when they did the Waco standoff, they, the government pulled up uh, big speakers and just, you know, bombarded the place with all kinds of awful Noise. noises and scream yeah. and, and, and just, and that was disorder. That yeah. makes you go crazy. Yeah. Yesterday, we were talking to a guy in the neighborhood who had four young kids, all under the age of seven, and we had our two. And he had two kids in his hand. He had a 12-week-old mm -hmm. and he had like a two-year-old. Two they were both crying. Four and six. And, yeah. and then his, his two kids are going around us on their bikes on all golf carts. They're going around in circles as our kids talk to him. And it was so funny because we literally were having like a five-minute conversation with this guy, our neighbor. And it was like trying to have a conversation in the middle of a rock concert. Like you could not focus. And sometimes parents, we know what that's like. It's like we could keep telling the kids to be quiet, but they're not. They're kids. They're going to, you know, be boisterous. And then we try and say, okay, well, we can fight through all the outside noise and we can still have a conversation here and get our points across. But how difficult is that? It's very difficult. And when you, you know, you just finished writing your book, but when you were in the midst of writing it, any noise, like anything was so hyper, you were just hypersensitive to it. And so now you know, now you know what it's like in my head on a daily basis, because whether it makes an audible noise or it's, or it's noise visually, it's loud to me. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to you because you're used to living that way. <laughs> I remember what your house looked like well, when you were a bachelor. You, this is the same woman, guys, that when I'm, I love to watch rock and roll documentaries and stuff. So I got a really kick-ass TV and a, and a big old SoundCloud speaker underneath it and with woofers so I can listen to rock and roll documentaries and Every time I turn it on, like the other day, you're like, what is that awful noise? And I'm like, babe, that is the Beastie Boys doing a live concert. Yes. That is not awful noise. Okay, hold on. That is beautiful music. Hold the phone. <laughs> hold the phone. Here's why. Here's what, this was before my breaking moment, right? This was when the boiling of the breaking moment was about to happen. The house was literally a disaster. I couldn't physically move, not two steps without my breath being taken away. The kids, doesn't matter how many times I told them to do something, it's completely in one ear, not the other. And the same with my husband child to my right. So when, when I hear, I love you, when I hear the Beastie Boys coming from a subwoofer upstairs, beating down the stairs and through the ceiling, when I'm looking at my house that looks like that, it is psychological warfare for your wife. Here's the ironic happy part. Happy wife, 
happy life. Here's the ironic part. I love it. When a plan comes together, the song was Sabotage. That's exactly dun, 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 dun. I can't stand it. You know, I planned it. And you, we, you totally sabotage my good time by telling me to turn it down. And I've been apparently sabotaging your peace of mind. For months. Because of months. the chaos going on. That's not fair. How I propose that. That's not fair. How can you just go retreat upstairs with nothing else, no responsibilities to worry about? Music is my refuge. And nothing. It makes me forget all things for a couple of minutes but while I listen to it. that's just apathy. And okay. then that apathy starts to trickle into different areas so of our lives. So let's, let's, then let's, let's transition here to the final piece of this <sighs> podcast by talking about how many times uh, when, our when door get crazy. is open here in the podcast room with our children coming when, in and asking for When things get stuff. crazy, what we do is we go from Beastie Boys to worship music. That way Angelique can hang out. So okay. then I put on some worship music, and we're going to talk about God here for the last couple minutes mm-hmm. and how important that's been in the final parts of this quarantine, this lockdown. We have to find where mm-hmm. God is in our homes, in our communities. And we've been told that it doesn't work by the government sometimes. And and I'm saying that lightly, but uh, our pastor was just on the news and there's some things going on where they don't want people to congregate, um, where they are telling people, give the names of people who do congregate to, uh, to, to take service. And even when they're in their cars and they're giving Sunday mass outside and people are staying in their cars, um, we're at a time right now when our religious freedoms are being infringed upon. And people say, Oh, well, that's because we have to separate church and state. Uh, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, let me read you this, and then you tell me where we've come. This is December 24th. This is Christmas Eve, 1945. This is President Harry S. Truman addressing the nation. And you tell me what this sounds like. He says, this is Christmas. This is the Christmas that a war-weary world has prayed for through long and awful years. We just got done with the war, okay? With peace come and joy and gladness. The gloom of the war years fades as once more we light the national community Christmas tree. We meet in the spirit of the first Christmas when the midnight choir sang the hymn of joy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let us not forget that the coming of the Savior brought a time of long peace to the Roman world. It is, therefore, fitting for us to remember that the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of peace, of love, of charity to all men. From the manger of Bethlehem came a new appeal to the minds and hearts of men, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. In love, which is the very essence of the message of the Prince of Peace, the world would find a solution for all its ills. Hmm. I know it's Christmas Eve. I know it's a long time ago, but man, Harry Truman doesn't mix in any words. He's not giving any generalities. He's not saying, well, the universe wants us to feel better about each other. He's talking about the Prince of Peace. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And he's talking about it to a nation that had just got done with one of the ugliest, most deadly wars it had ever seen. We need hope. And that hope is going to come from Jesus Christ. And that hope is going to come when each person who believes in Jesus starts to treat each other and act in their community as if that is the only answer right now. Well, I couldn't agree more with Harry or you. Um, And that's, again, going back to just how we started this. 
when we talk about the Prince of Peace, and it's just the peace in all things that we can create. Now, obviously, so many things are outside of our control. So many things can cause and create disruption and disorder. Um, and this is where radical personal responsibility comes into play. And even what he was saying there, we can't just look to everyone else to create the peace that we're yearning for. We need to understand that that peace and that joy comes from Christ and Christ alone. Um, and then when it, when it is something that we're looking for, like I'm at fault, I, I'm not admitting, I'm not saying here that I don't have faults or that, you know, that I'm perfect and I want a perfect home and I need a perfect husband and perfect kids. And David certainly, what are you going to say? Do not It's not me. perfect. It's not perfect. <laughs> um, here's the thing. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for David to create joy for me. You know, I get my joy from Christ. I'm not looking for David and my children to fill that hole because I know that they can't. It's an impossible void for them to fill. That's where I have to have, like you said, you know, worship music or anything that brings that inner peace. But then there is a certain, there is, for all of us, external peace that exists in the environment around us. I mean, I can worship all day long, in the, but in the middle of warfare, it, you have to worship louder, you know? And so my way of oftentimes worshiping back to the divine order is going into the environment that we're living in. Because if I can't get a handle of that warfare that I know we have control over, then it makes everything else internally feel less peaceful. So, you know, just like when you go to escape with music, people can escape for a short amount of time, but it doesn't actually address the problem. So we're turning this into a lesson for you by way of using maybe something you can relate to in, in marriage or in quarantine, couples in quarantine, families in quarantine, and just getting on each other's nerves. But we can all escape by putting our heads down. We can escape by turning on music and going into a room. We can escape. Some people escape by going to the bottle. They can escape by putting their heads in a device. They can escape by doing anything that they can to find thrill or sedation in. But at the end of the day, if we don't actually address what is creating chaos in our minds, our homes, our, our joy and our spirits, then in our marriage, okay, then in our families, then in the marketplace, then we are actually inverting that divine order. We're going way outside the lines and we have yet to address the thing that is disrupting us internally first. So if I know if I can find the joy and peace there, mm -hmm. and then I go straight to my environment and I, it's disorderly, that's where I'm going to have to call upon my family and say, I need help with this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know it's just a no, to address, You said it to address it. We need to address it because sometimes we don't see it. We have to, in the book, I talk about stepping outside of yourself and looking at yourself in like this third person perspective where we can be present and incorporate balance. So that's, those are themes throughout the book. Presence is a huge theme. We have to be present. We have to incorporate a balance. We're not saying don't ever watch the news. Don't ever watch TV. We're mm -hmm. saying the balance. And then we have to say we have to address these things because sometimes while they're happening to us, we can't see it. Mm -hmm. We don't see it until it's too late. Nobody starts out saying, hey, I want to be depressed. Nobody starts out saying, hey, I want to be an alcoholic. Nobody starts out saying, hey, I want to get divorced. These things always happen because we're not addressing them when we start to see them uh, pop up. So I'll end with this. 
And the big one is presence. And this will help you out. Just like when I saw you angry, we'll go full circle, coming up those stairs, I knew you were frustrated and something was really wrong. I had some stuff I was right in the middle of doing, and I had some stuff that I wanted to do, and everything stopped, and I said, let me be present for you, and I just would listen to you and not interrupt you and just hug you and, and just say, yes, whatever is bothering you right now, let's do it, because I saw that. In our children, when we feel like the world is not going in a way that we like, sometimes we are not paying attention to them and we are relegating them to devices and relegating them to television and, and just not paying enough attention. We have to stop, smell them, hold them, look at them. They grow up way too fast. They grow up way too fast. They grow up way too fast. We talk about some of the, the biggest heartache that we'll ever see is, is from parents who never spend enough time with their children or children who never spend enough time with their older parents. In other words, yeah. that's the great divide. If you have older parents, hold on them, love them, tell them you, you want to be with them. Because I know, Angelique, from your perspective, there's nothing you would give uh, to have another kiss from your mom or, or talk to your dad at the dinner table again about his old war stories. Right. I mean, these are the things we hold dear. So the presence is huge. And we have control of that. You, have, you are a presence machine. You have control of it. We just are being distracted. We're, we're being distracted. So that's my big advice. I hope you guys love and love on your children and your parents. Do you have anything in closing? Yeah. And, and just, you know, and love on your spouse, love on your loved one. I know it's so much easier to say, you know, cause there's a lot of people like David and I, this is nine years of us working through our stuff. You know, it's, and you know what? Nine years doesn't seem a lot compared to his parents who've been married 61. But David and I have had experienced a lifetime worth of crap in that short amount of time. As a matter of fact, in the first five years of our marriage, you know, losing my parents, moving six times in five years, having two children, changing careers, drastic changes in our lives, um, experiencing sickness and death, and all things that most people wait. 10, 20, 30, sometimes longer before they experience that, um, not only individually, but together collectively. And we're having to like kind of skip past the honeymoon phase and go straight into trauma, you know, has taught us a lot in how to sort of 10x our communication. You know, when we first got married, if I was dealing with the emotions that I was dealing with yesterday, even though on a small scale, somebody's messy house is you know, irrelevant, I would have pent it up inside and just done it. I would have continued to push down, as we talk about, push down, sedate, escape. I would push down the things that needed to be addressed until, until it was hidden resentment. And then it affects our relationship. It affects the way I interact with my husband. It affects the way I interact with my children. So this Angelique, took a walk to the mailbox to put some bills in there. And on my walk back, I was like, I'm exposing this right now because the more I push it under the rug, the more I actually haven't cleaned up at all. It's just now stuck under the rug. So if you're listening to this right now and you're trying to figure out how did this go from comedic to serious, I want you to think about the times or the areas or the spots in your life that you're pushing down ignoring and addressing in an old pattern. David's old way would have probably been 
oh, you would have, you probably would have gotten angry at me. You would have said that I'm treating you like a child and you would have left the house and not talked to me for a given period of time. But instead, you looked me in the eye, you knew I was serious, you stopped everything that you were doing and you helped me. And I will tell you something, even I'll live on this show, that showed me more love and respect than anything that you could write or do or say. And that's whether it's part of a love language of mine or not, but you, that makes me feel heard and appreciated and loved and cared for so that it freed my mind to just be with you, laugh with you, dance in the kitchen later, you know, enjoy our children. That is, that goes miles with me. So for the couples listening, think about what you're doing in old patterns and how you can interrupt those patterns, not by interrupting someone else's, but by lovingly doing everything you can to address it and then take responsibility of how you can change that pattern now. And that pattern for me was speaking up and that pattern for David was loving and, and respecting where I was at that moment. And it goes both ways. Whenever he gives me a swift kick in the pants, I do the exact same thing for him. And that's how we've had a turned on marriage. It's not roses all the time and unicorns and, and beautiful and blissful. Our life is messy. We have two children. We've got a dog. I have a husband child and we have one on the way. <laughs> but my point is, is that not everybody's living a Pinterest life. You know, we can't just keep looking to the highlight reel and comparing ourselves to what's going on around us, but we can address what's going on within us. And we can address what's going on in our own homes in order to correct it because you can have your own little slice of heaven. If you guys actually are honest with yourselves and each other and come together as a family and keep God the centerpiece, because once you have that Prince of Peace there, the peace everywhere else will manifest. Amen to that. I love it. <laughs> guys, we hope this has helped you out. We hope you uh, will love it, share it, um, meditate on it, pray on it. And uh, we hope to see you next time right here on the Turned On Podcast. Thank you for listening.